in a relationship where no matter how unhappy they were, a lot of these other mob wives would have stayed. Right. The fact that Carmela even has the courage to be like, yeah, I think I'm not going to do this is a lot and means a lot. everyone this is alex and this is em welcome to the latest episode of the good the bad the basic this is the podcast for tv lovers movie buffs and binge watchers of all ages on this podcast we'll be discussing what we loved what we hated and what's just a bit problematic about the tv and movies that we're addicted to and do a bit of rewriting where necessary for much more exclusive content become a show producer on patreon and get access to after the episode outtakes curated playlists movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the GBB family at patreon.com forward slash good, bad, basic. Today, Em and I will be discussing the back half of the family crime drama, The Sopranos. When the series opens, The Sopranos protagonist, Tony Soprano, is the head of the DeMeo crime family, but his chosen line of work is a constant source of heartache and tension with his immediate family. Tony always says he wants to do the right thing, but is constantly in the role of the villain for so many people around him. So what do we think of this complicated protagonist? What can we take away from The Sopranos? Stay tuned. everyone just to catch everyone up um the sopranos is a crime drama created by david chase it aired from january 10th 1999 until june 10th um, 2007 on hbo for a total of 86 episodes and six seasons it stars james gandolfini as tony soprano eddie falco as carmela soprano his wife Lorraine Bracco as Jennifer, as Dr. Jennifer Melfi, his psychiatrist. Jamie Lynn Sigler as Meadow Soprano, his daughter, his and Carmela's daughter. And Robert Eiler as Anthony Soprano Jr., a.k.a. AJ, Tony and Carmela's son. So let's jump right in where we left off last week. We covered the first three episodes um, with season three ending with Tony's relationship ending with Gloria Meadow and Jackie breaking up prior to Jackie Jr.'s death, and Adriana's new, very dangerous friend, who is an undercover FBI agent, entering the picture. So, season four, 13 episodes. Let's kick it off. Right. So, season four. Season four is really great. I liked season four. So, yeah, we pick up with season four, and, um, Meadow is not doing well. Yeah. Um, she's she's still grieving, I guess, um, Jackie's untimely demise. And she starts volunteering at a legal practice. Um, her dad has mixed feelings about this for obvious reasons. He 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 doesn't want his he doesn't want his girl becoming a public defender. He's trying to get her some real money, legit money. <laughs> right. She she um is she wants to like help you know she wants to help people and he's like what <laughs> like <laughs> um but something i find interesting about her sort of i don't know i just like i said i think i just connect to meadow because she's a millennial but um she's giving her parents aren't really like um with it and they're just they're trying to make her do something and at first, she has this idea to, like, go to Europe. And she's like, I'll just go. I'll just leave. Um, but I, but what I do like about it is, like, once again, I, I like this sort of, like, self-awareness about herself. She's like, I just, I'm not in a place to, to be okay right now. And I need you to give me space to not be okay. Junior had problems, like very deeply rooted problems. And at such a young age, too, you know, when he would have only gotten worse from there, because didn't he have issues with drugs as well? Yeah. Okay. So it's it's bad enough to be married to a mobster. I'll give this to Tony Soprano. He keeps his nose clean 
in the literal sense, I mean, like there's not there's not things going up his nose. That's <clears> true. <throat> um, speaking of things going up your nose, uh, Christopher is like a whole heroin addict now. Right, right. And this was kind of like it, it kind of reminded me of the Marissa character from the OC. Um, they didn't kind of they didn't just drop this on us, right? We've seen the 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 breadcrumbs of Christopher's growing uh, substance abuse issues from like season one, right? Right, but it's like it's not just like coke. It's like we've graduated to now injecting things. I just feel like if you graduate to like injecting, like mostly because needles. I'm not scared of needles, but like at the same time, needles kind of freak me out. So I'm like, I could never imagine myself just like being very casual about just like putting a thing on my arm and just like, oh, we're going to inject this thing. <laughs> Cause that like makes me think of like doctors and like people who are like trained. Cause like if you miss the vein, you can really like fuck your shit up. When it gets to that, I'm like, holy shit. Like <laughs> that is crazy. But Adriana is also very casual about this heroin use, <laughs> which is like, girl, what? I mean, she's known her man has had a problem from the start. And I think Adriana's like a lot of partners of people who are recreational drug users. She doesn't think it's ever going to get worse. She's she's deluded herself that her man has it, quote, under control. I mean, I think Adriana, too, let's be real. She's kind of riding that wave of being with Christopher now that he's a made man. I mean, he always he always had a stream of income coming in. Um, he gave her that nightclub. He's a made man. She knows he is a provider. I don't think she really understands the true danger of the life that she's chosen and the relationship that she's chosen until this season. Right. Right. Because then her new friend who's, you know, um, an agent, an FBI agent, basically gathers enough information on her that she is forced to become an informant for the FBI she's a real one she doesn't want to cinch on christopher so she tries to find loopholes she's scrambling to get engaged to him in order to get marital privilege so that she like legally they can't force her to testify or wear a wire against him and then that doesn't work out because she's not really sound on the le- the legalities of all that um in truth and she buckles she buckles under that under that pressure ex- like extremely quickly Yeah. Yeah, she absolutely does. It's kind of crazy to me because she really does try her hardest, right? She eventually comes clean to Christopher and she's like, let's just both be snitches. Uh, And then I'm like, bitch, you know who the fuck your boyfriend is? (laughs) And I mean, yeah, granted, he does proceed to like beat the shit out of her. Um, yeah, like, that that was crazy. Like, I didn't think he was going to go that far. Honestly, I didn't think he was going to beat her. I thought I, I definitely thought he was going to kill her, but I didn't think he would, like, beat her and make her suffer prior. But I absolutely knew that that man was not going to be like, okay, yeah, let's do it. I love you so much, yeah, babe. Yeah, like, I love you so much, babe. Like, no. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> like, if that was my homegirl, I'd be like, no, leave, disappear. Make babe, sure he never like, sees you again. Leave yeah. right now. I'd be like, take whatever money you can take out of that business and, like, just dip. It'll be fine. Right. I'd be like, pack a bag, pack your passport, I'll wire you some money. Because no way, like, a real friend would never encourage you to just be like, yeah, tell him the truth. You know, this could be, this could really make your relationship stronger or some other dumb. (laughs) Some other dumb shit. Like. Because this is the kind of shit that gets you killed. And it ultimately becomes a thing that gets her killed. With Christopher and Adriana, it was just really, really hard to watch because I felt like neither of them had a choice. Obviously, Christopher didn't have to beat the hell out of her. She had no choice but to turn informant, and he had no choice but to kill her. Her death scene is like, it's so tragic, but then it's also so ridiculous. It's like, oh, all these men suck. Like, oh my gosh. Because she's in the car and she's crying, right? Because she knows what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. And... The guy is like, oh, don't be sad. Like, you know, Christopher's going to be well taken care of. I'm sure he'll move on. And I'm like, shut up. 
Like, I'm sure that's exactly what she's thinking about in that moment. In this moment, like, (laughs) shut the fuck up. I cannot even deal with you. I mean, they're acting like Christopher's her son or something. Like, if someone's going to kill me, and they're like, don't worry, your kids will be fine, I might take some comfort in that. But if it's my my husband putting out a fucking hit on me, I don't give a fuck if he's going to be all right. (laughs) Right? It's like, I don't care. Like, I'm about to die. And but speaking for, of wild, does every man on this show beat his wife or girlfriend? Because that's what I'm getting. That's the vibes I'm getting. It, oh, definitely. Like from the from from even before when they were like, "Beat your wife," I was like, "Oh, so that's that's the that's the motto around here." Right, right. I think. I mean, does does Tony ever beat Carmela? That's that's the one thing I don't think I ever remember seeing. That I think he shakes her, mm-hmm. like. But he's like, but he never beats her. He, and that's, I guess, I mean, I'm not giving Tony Soprano any credit, but like, Tony always like outsmarts Carmela. Yeah, I think maybe that's, that's like, you got to just pick a struggle when you're married, when you're dating these type of mom men. Like, you can have the one that beats you. The one that cheats on you or both. And I guess if these are my options, I just take the one who's just merely unfaithful. <laughs> Carmela like gets her shit and like bounces. Oh, yeah, I mean this. it took it took it took our good sis long enough, but I'm proud of her. I'm really oh, proud of her. Because same. we know it's it's made clear in the narrative that he's been fucking around their entire marriage, possibly the entire relationship prior to marriage, right? Mm-hmm. Um and there's one scene in particular between Carmela and Tony where they're speaking in subtext mostly. And I don't remember if it's in this season. I believe it's in the previous season when he was seeing Gloria. Um, but she they they have a whole conversation in subtext where he she basically says, I know what you're doing. Um, and it tries to encourage him to get a vasectomy because she knows there's gonna be side chicks, but she's not okay with outside children. Right. But, you know, fair. <laughs> but, you know, fair. Like, yeah, totally fair. Um, But, like, something I will, like, that Carmela does this season that I was, like, well, something that she did that I was, like, yes, she's so smart is, like, or, or that I thought, like, was definitely, like, a foreshadowing of the divorce was, so Carmela insists on getting these, like, living will, like, power of attorney, like, trust documents all set up. <laughs> mm, I mean, that's what that's the, what they do first, right? That's what Corinne did. That's what Tara did. That's, like, the blueprint of, I'm about to leave this motherfucker. I'm about to leave this motherfucker for real. Like, she gets all, she tries to get them all set up and, they, and that's what they get into the fight. Well, that's where they get into, like, a big, big fight about. Because Tony is, like, he's, he's, um, he signs like parts of it, but then when, but then the part where she would be in control of like the holdings, he's like, nah, I'm not signing that. <laughs> he goes off. A woman controlling my money? <gasps> yeah, that's, that's his response basically, you guys. It's, basically. <laughs> it's sad too, because it's like, you know, when you sign this, only reason, what, only way she's going to get that power is if you're literally out of commission. So like, what are you right. upset about? <laughs> that's what i'm saying you like you'll be dead like i just he should have just let that shit go but um and that's and that's crazy and that's why i'm like wow like even in death like even if he died he does not like he would rather his the family control his assets and holdings and then have them make the decision of how to get that money to her and his kids rather than her controlling it for her own family. Even though those people have like no loyalty or no like, like real anything to him that binds them to him. You know what I mean? Right. And that I mean, mad. The, imagine a man, a man who's been a provider to you, leaving you in such a vulnerable position right like it's disrespectful it's It's disrespectful straight up like and and the show gave you glimpses of this behavior prior right because when angie big pussy's wife thought he was missing um she didn't go get a job she hit up tony for money right she is dependent on him it's like yikes 
you breed these dependent women and then you mad at you get mad when they need shit. Like what did you think this was gonna be? <laughs> huh. Um listen, oh. the whole thing is just gross. Um and the thing is, as angry as they are with these women. Um, what they spend, how they spend, when they want to spend, and try to control everything that they do. They these men ultimately like this dynamic of dependency because it allows them to um, keep pulling the strings in toxic relationships where a woman will stay long after she doesn't want to be there anymore because she needs you. So, so speaking of Angie, um, Tony Kalem, who played Angie, is actually um, wrote a few episodes of this show. Oh, that's what's up. Shout out. Yeah. Something else that happens this season is Gloria. We find we find out that Gloria kills herself and yeah, like committed suicide. And Tony finds out and then proceeds to make her suicide about him himself. So that's always right. I mean, and he's not exact like Gloria had mental health issues and I believe she'd attempted suicide before she'd even met Tony. Yes. Yeah. Right. So it has more to do with her mental health issues than with him. However, (laughs) we can't minimize the role that his treatment of her played in pushing her back to that edge. Absolutely. And like um, the suicide that she had attempted before him was over, like, you know, like a lover that had broken up with her. So, I mean, yeah. But something that really gets me is that when he's going over with when he's going over it with Dr. Melfi, he's like, "What am I, a toxic person?" And I was like, "Is yes, Donald sir. Trump an idiot?" Like, yes. Like, what are you talking about? I really wish people would just stop asking answers. Just stop. Stop. And like, like and that's the worst, an answer. You're a toxic person. <laughs> and the and the worst part is that like he asks like in that episode he asks everybody. He's like, am I a toxic person? And they just sort of look at him like, do you want me to answer that honestly? Right. <laughs> like, like he asks, asking answers and stop asking questions you don't want to know the answer to. <laughs> like he asks Carmela, he asks Artie, he, he's asking all these people. I'm like, sir, like, stop. You don't want the answer. <laughs> oh my God. It's, it's really terrible. Um, and like, Instead of asking yourself, am I a toxic person? Maybe analyze your relationship with Glory. You don't even have to analyze your relationship with everybody. Not with Carmela, not with your kids, not with your Livia, not with Junior. Just with Gloria. Is this a way, for example, that you would approve of a man treating your daughter? Because this is the only way that these men can, can even quantify empathy for the women that they deal with. Imagine she's your daughter. imagine she's your daughter would you be would you be cool with it because the way he treated gloria was out of hand and out of pocket and it would have broken much stronger women than her but then you're dealing with someone who's already broken right right like it was it was a lot and i think the thing with tony is he always asks the right questions or in this case (laughs) and he always says the right answers but he never actually does anything about it like i know in aa they say the first step is admitting you have a problem um and maybe for some people that's the hardest but then you have narcissists like tony that first step is the easiest because you can just do that one step and pretend the other the other 11 don't exist Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) like i'm toxic i've acknowledged that now but like okay but what about the other 11 steps homie like (laughs) making making amends all that um, shit that requires work it's a lot it's a whole lot so carmella so two things happened this season with carmella that i think like we, this was a long time coming. The first is that Carmela and Furio, who have very strong feelings for each other that they've never acted on because Furio is a man of honor, um, their little emotional affair of the heart, magnetic attraction, whatever you want to call it, comes to an abrupt end when he goes back to Italy just to get away from the temptation of her. Damn, that shit is real. I can just imagine how amazing the sex would have been if he had decided, you know what, just this once, I'm going to put my honor down and break her back. Yeah. Just imagine. <laughs> just imagine that for her. He's so tempted he had to go back to another continent, you guys. 
<laughs> Listen, he had to put how many continents is it between the U.S. and in Europe? Okay, so there's like yeah, there's like four continents between them now, or three continents between them now. It's oh oh, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> and I'm not gonna lie, I did not like Furio was weird, kind of weird to me. But like you know, I, but I wanted that for Carmela. I just wanted like, can my good sis get like? A smidgen, a dose, just a little dash of dick. Right? Just, a, <laughs> just something. And so after Furio does all this, because he's a man of honor, her husband continues to dishonor her, and she finds out about him and Junior's caretaker, Svetlana. Ugh. I hate it. Yeah. So... After her chance to get treated right, goes out the door. And you know they're Catholic, too, so they don't even believe in divorce. So it wasn't even a thing where she could, like, divorce Tony and be with Furio. So that sucks. That sucks. <sighs> and she finds out that he's just wholesale slinging it around. Community dick. Ben community dick will always be community dick. Groupon peen. Hashtag. Hi, Karkisha. Um, <laughs> but just slinging it to everybody. And... And her chance to get dicked down is back in Italy. Right. She just, uh, uh, there's like, um, <laughs> there's a scene where she just, uh, where Tony's like, like in the pool in that season, Tony's like in the pool and he's like hanging out and she's just looking at him. Like she's just looking at him and the, but like, it's a look I understand so deeply. She's just like, she's just contemplating like, like why like like what like why and what and how and who and just like why (laughs) and I just I really empathize with it I really empathize so deeply like Carmela I feel like is a personification of the term silent scream (laughs) she really is though it sucks when you choose someone to be your life partner and only in hindsight can you recognize that you've chosen the wrong person. He acts like he's she's a doormat at their house. Like, she's there, but he doesn't really acknowledge her existence unless something is happening with their children. Carmela really breaks my heart as a character. She just deserves better. And she keeps trying with Tony. She really does keep trying with him. She keeps thinking that, you know, I'm going to hold it down He's going to see the error of his ways. And the interesting thing about Tony is he doesn't even try to make these outside relationships work. He's not, he's not telling any of these women, I'm going to leave my wife and be with you. So you're not even securing anything for the long term because you're getting old rapidly. And he's not like he takes the best care of his health. Who's going to take care of your ass when you're old? The other thing that got me really hot in the Tony Carmela like, breaking apart. So, like, so she tells him that she 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 was this close to like getting it in with furio and they have this fight and he says you asked me a question about what was it that svetlana had had that you didn't have and he said and i thought about it and he goes you know she had to he's like you know svetlana had to like struggle she had to fight she has thoughts she thinks about things and boy what i tell you i almost like he's like I, oh, baby, when I tell you, I almost, like, went into the screen and tried to fight him. <laughs> like, right. when he I mean, her, it's I disgusting. Was like, and Carmela didn't, like, she hasn't been struggling and fighting for, like, her, fa- like, boy, what? Like, are you, are you, you must be high. You must have, you must have gone to Christopher's house and got that thing that he, he doing because I, there's no, I don't know. There's no other reason. And how fucking dare him say she has no thoughts? You don't know what her thoughts are because you don't talk to her. And that's what Carmela says. She wasn't thoughtless when you were when you were dating her. She wasn't thoughtless when you proposed to her. And that's what Carmela hits back with. Carmela's like, you don't know anything that's going on with me. Like, you don't know that I went out and got my fucking real estate license. Like, you don't know that I've been out here grinding and like, or I think, or I really like, you know. Because by now, like, Carmela's whole thing is, like, doing... Basically, Carmela is, like, out here basically finding what she's good at. And um, what she's really good at is, you know, real estate and uh, flipping properties and, like, doing, you know, the redesign and, like, the homes and stuff. 
And it's like, and, and yeah, she, she's, she's right. She's like, you don't know, you don't care that I got my real estate license, that I've, that I did this, that I've been out here working. Like none of that shit matters to you. Like literally like living with a stranger. Yeah. It's like living with a stranger. I'm like, how the hell did she study for an entire real estate exam? And you don't know. I just like, uh, even if we were roommates, you would expect someone to know that. Right. (laughs) It's not like, it's not the same as saying, well, I went to Nordstrom's yesterday. <laughs> like, like, Tony is a damn fool. And in this conversation with Carmela, as well as his reaction to Gloria's suicide, it makes two, it makes one thing abundantly clear. Women can only hold Tony's interest in, as long as there's not another woman, attractive woman you know, ready to be seen. But Tony does not trust Carmela, even though she's never given him a reason to distrust her. And that's a she's huge a, issue. Huge, particularly when she's been the most loyal one. Like, Carmela's loyal in ways that others, like, wouldn't be. And Carmela, it's interesting, like, the FBI, the FBI and, like, their attempt to take down Tony, like, has just basically picked all the wrong people. But if I was somebody on that team, I would pick Carmela. I'd... That's the person I would pick. Because, like, first of all, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't live with the guilt that, like, this, like, in terms of, like, the danger of it, I would be, like, she's smart enough to get herself out of the situation, should it be. And then, second, she has the most fucking reason to. <laughs> right. To, to to take money, dip, and start a whole new fucking life for herself. If I'm picking anybody to, like, flip, I'm picking Carmela. All right, kids, so gather around. It's Aunt M's advice time. (laughs) (laughs) Tony's treatment of Carmella and pretty much every woman that he's fucked with is a direct reflection of the toxicity and dysfunction of his relationship with his mother. It is. Ladies, like Livia is a toxic person and she's a toxic mom. Period. So, ladies, if you're dealing with a man, don't ask him if he loves his mom, because even if he does, our society conditions everyone to say that they love their mom. Ask him what his relationship with his mom is like, because it'll give you direct insight into maybe some of the unhealed trauma that's going to spill over into how he treats you. Tony still doesn't really do the work necessary because remember admitting you have a problem is the easy part doing the work is the hard part he still hasn't done the work to heal from the childhood trauma and adult trauma that livia has bestowed upon him but then he takes it out on every single every single woman that he deals with and carmela gets the brunt of it because she's his wife that's what he doesn't understand carmela's not the problem He's the the problem. She only appears to be the problem because he sees her all the time. And she's always there. And he believes she's always going to be there. Right. Exactly. There you go. And this has been M's Corner. Yes, this has been M's Corner. Don't let it happen to you, sis. Some of these men are broken. Their mommies broke them. And it's not your job to fix them. If they want to be fixed, they will fix themselves. But season four, how is season four for you? Season four was actually quite good. It had me on the edge of my seat for real. <laughs> yeah, season four, lots of character development, lots of crazy shit that happens. I liked it. I mean, they even tried to throw in some humor. I mean, and I say try. The whole situation was a bit fat phobic, but the writing around it was actually not terrible. The whole issue with uh, Ralph and Johnny Sack. Oh, that yeah. Was that was, oh my gosh. That <laughs> was, was like, crazy. oh, yikes. That was so but, I mean, the, Johnny Sag being ready to, like, strap up and kill Ralph for teasing like, his wife murder, is real shit. Murder. He was like, I, like, and everyone's looking at him like, you want to do what to Ralph? He's like, y'all heard me. I that man <laughs> like, I would kill him. Die. Listen, I'm not sure if he's a real one or he's just not playing with the full deck. <laughs> that was a very intense reaction. Yeah, I like season four. Season four is good. I thought it was like a solid, a solid season. But let's jump into season five. Also 13 episodes. We pick up with Tony and Carmela separated and he's living at his parents' house. Um, his cousin, also named Tony, Tony Blendetto, and a bunch of the other New York and New Jersey mafiosos who were arrested in the 80s are being released from prison now. So I guess all these guys had like 20 years, 25 years on the books, right? So they're all, they, I, I believe they were probably all rounded up um, um, in like maybe 
a, a big bust, like a big mafia bust, and they all went to prison at the same time. Or maybe there was an informant who snitched on them in mass, and now they're all getting out of jail. And his cousin Tony Blendetto, played by Steve Buscemi, is one of them. And so Tony throws him a reunion party. Um, it's crazy because we didn't really hear about any of these people or hear their names. I'm sure nobody was going to visit them in the 20 plus years they were in prison. But now it's like, welcome home. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, it's great to see Steve Buscemi. Like, he's a phenomenal actor, and this is no exception. He does a really great job. He's really good. Yeah, Tony 2, a.k.a. Steve. Yeah, we're going to just call him Tony 2, though. <laughs> yeah, we're going to call him Tony 2. Tony 2 is ultimately, like, a, another tragic tale. Because he comes out, and he legit wants to legitimately be straight. Like, he's happy for the party and everything, but he's like, "Mm, I'm just trying to do this. Like, I'm just trying to do, like, my life and what I have left of it. And I'm not trying to get back into, like, what we were doing before. That attitude from him does not last very long. So, essentially, Tony, too, is the Opie of our cast. Carmilla is throwing her father this birthday party. And (sighs) poor Carmilla. Carmilla, for the first time, was like, finding an identity outside of like her marriage. And she throws this party for her dad and her dad is like, and then her father inquires like if Tony's going to be there and both Carmela and her mom are like, it's not appropriate um, because they're apart. And uh, Carmela's dad is like, well, I can't just be in this man's home without him there. So you better make crazy. sure his ass is invited. And I'm like, crazy. Just like, I'm like, crazy. is it not her home as well? Apparently not. Apparently See, not. this is this is where I, I think about things like culture. Because I remember listening to that scene. I'm like, that's wild. Because it's not that way in Haitian culture. It doesn't matter who bought the house. If there's a woman in your house, in a house that you bought during the relationship, that's her house. That's right. her house. That's, That's the woman's house. Home. Men don't have homes. <laughs> they live wherever their wives and girlfriends or mothers live. The home belongs to the woman. Like in Asian culture, it's not even a thing for a man to have an opinion on things like decorating the home. Like, what do you mean you have an opinion? This is this is her home. She's gonna buy the furniture. <laughs> um, just wild. It was so wild. Uh, I was like, oh gosh. And it's the worst because it's like. It's like she's playing, and I and I just hate it. But like, it's illuminating because you get to really see where Carmela came from, and all these things that we're ta- that we were talking about. I think in before and like in the previous episode of like Carmela and like how she was raised and the options she had. You get to see it like you see it now um, within this this birthday party and the dynamic between her and her father and the way her father sort of dismisses her. Even though she's worked really hard, she's put together this party, she's done all the things that you can possibly do, she's organized and whatever. It's, he gives it the same care that, like, Tony has given her all their marriage, like, in that he her father doesn't. Like, Tony comes to the party and, like, grills a hamburger and um, buys him a gun. And that is more than everything that she, in the labor she she did and put together. And it's ugly to see. I mean, it's ugly and it's heartbreaking, but it's, it's, it's excellent writing. It is excellent writing. And this scene in particular kind of drove home a point that you made on our last episode um, in regards to... Um, Carmela having had far less options than, say, Meadow had had, or even someone like Vic Mackey's wife, Karen, or definitely more less options than someone like Dr. Tara Knowles Teller, right? <laughs> um, she does not really have these things, and she was groomed for this. So kids, settle in for round two of Aunt M's Advice Corner. <laughs> Analyze your relationship with your father, and if you feel dissatisfied, inadequate, unhappy, Um, taken for granted, disapproved of, insignificant in any way, write down what it is about this relationship that makes you feel that way, and then use this as a blueprint to avoid reenacting that relationship dynamic with potential partners. Because Carmela's relationship with her father 
is absolutely a mirror of her relationship with Tony. It absolutely is. And that's been another episode of M's Advice Corner. It, it takes us. It takes me even a step further because you can see these the threads of this similar behavior to various extent among all of these men in the way that they treat their wives um, as commodities and their daughters um, as um, possessions who will eventually become um, another man's property. Right. Right. Um, Tony is different only in the regards that he's groomed his daughter to have a career. He's groomed his daughter to have a career. He's also groomed his daughter to be him. Tony says as much back, like in back in like the first season, Tony says, I don't know who AJ is, but Meadow, Meadow, she's just like me. And he grooms Meadow accordingly. Mm -hmm. Which is crazy because I feel like that's the most massively projected projection thing that he's ever said. Yes, she's very smart. But how is she like you, sir? Y'all literally don't have the same personality at all. It maybe she's don't. who you want to be. She's who you wanted to be. And now you're trying to live vicariously through someone who is much, much smarter than you. <laughs> now, Carmela has a, has a pretty interesting uh, narrative in this season. Um, she starts out, she has a brief affair with AJ's guidance counselor. The ca counselor ends things pretty rapidly because he believes that she's using him to improve her son's grades. But it's like, sir, two things can be true. Right? Listen, it was for <laughs> AJ and for her. <laughs> right. Like, I can want to improve my son's grades and want the D. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Other. Like, and listen, I was so happy for her. When she got her cheeks clapped, I was like, yes, girl. You do that. You deserve that. You needed that. So something else that happens this season is, like, Meadow has a new man, and his name is Finn. And Finn and Meadow are sweating it out in New York City. And because of stuff, you know, college, apartments, bills got to get paid. And Finn... uh needs a job or else he has to go back to California, which he doesn't want to do because he wants to stay because he's studying to be a dentist, which I know that sounds weird, but like white dentists, like white dentists make a shit ton of money. They make a lot of money. Yes, um, ma'am. <laughs> I know that sounds, I know you're like, what dentist? No, but for real, like dentists make so much money. It's, it's stupid. And I know this because of that Chris Rock special. And I also know this because <laughs> apparently like, um, if you want to get like your movie funded, a lot of people try to find like dentists because mm -hmm. dentists just have like large amounts of cash, just like floating and they don't have anything to do with it. Because even like the most basal, basic dental work is like super expensive. They, their internships are generally much smoother and less hectic. So like, he's not going to be like on call for 36 hours straight. <laughs> And um, they generally tend to have less student loan debt. And on top of that, marrying a dentist means that you're going to have free dental care for the rest of your life. Yay. Think about how much money you'll save, sis. <laughs> <laughs> so for those who are trying to marry out, marry up, you know, we you try to give the good advice here. Try to find a dentist. <laughs> Listen, you can save 15% or more on your dental bill. And... Um, and just stress for marrying a dentist. I know marrying a general practitioner sounds nice. Marrying an they emergency room no doctor money. sounds nice. But you ain't Bro. never going to see him, sis. You <laughs> never see him. Ain't never going to see him. Ain't never going to see that money broke. Broke, broke. Like, a lot of these guys are literally hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt. I think this was an episode of Grey's Anatomy way back in season one when, like, Katherine Heigl's character, they, everybody was making fun of her because she used to be a model. And then she was like, um, but you're drowning in student loan debt and I'm debt free. So what? <laughs> but yeah, Finn is a, cool, is a cool dude and her family approves because he's like a wasp or whatever. And they're fine with it because he's white and um, he's educated and he's and they can have a legit life together. And that's all Tony wants is for her to have like a legit life. Right. Uh, but then the, but the thing is, is that so Finn takes the construction job, right? Mm hmm. Because Meadow. <laughs> Meadow's like, my dad can get you a construction job. And Meadow was like, Meadow was not thinking this all the way through. <laughs> she sure wasn't. <laughs> and um, and Finn is like, great, that's amazing. And like, he does it. It's fine. Like, he's doing it. But the rub is uh, he's doing this construction job. 
And while he's doing the job, of course he gets treated like shit, which is like, yeah. But then, but then like the crew realizes who he is, right? Basically that he's the princess's, um, he's the princess's boyfriend. So then he gets treated great. But then the thing that's, and this is important to know, because this will be important for next season. One day Finn shows up to the job site early because, you know, Finn is like a normal person. (laughs) (laughs) And he sees Vito. He catches Vito blowing another guy. And that's when things start to go a little like a little left. Um, Also, Finn is like, shout out to Finn. Finn is me. Finn also starts to see like the ugly, violent side of like Meadow's whole family and their outfit. And he starts to really understand like, what this whole like mob thing means. And Finn is not having any of it. Finn is like, girl, I'm not doing any of this. (laughs) And I mean, we love it. We love to see it. We love a king with standards. Um, (laughs) uh, But yeah, um, the, the scene where Finn catches Vito giving fellatio to the security guard is a very interesting scene. And it does play a huge role in the last season because I mean, we don't really have to tell people that the mob is homophobic, do we? <laughs> I mean, I hope we don't. They've been like they they use cocksucker as an insult like all day, every day, like throughout all the previous seasons. He um, already knows what it is if anyone finds out about his sexuality. sexuality. He is justifiably shook. Listen, it could have been so much worse. Literally anybody else on that crew caught him doing this. It would have been done. Done. Over with. Meadow takes for granted how scary the people in her life are because then Finn comes back to her and he's like, the people in your life are fucking scary. And she's like, no, like, they're so sweet. Like, and, he <laughs> and it's like, oh, ooh. baby is so naive. It's cute. Um, and I think the reason why she doesn't understand how scary they are is not just because of her family, but because. She's not these wives. These wives and girlfriends have very intimate look into how terrifying these men can be, right? But Metal's always been coddled and she's always been protected by both her mother and the other women and all the men in this outfit. Carmela files for divorce and, like, I feel so bad for her because, like, first she can't get a divorce lawyer because Tony's gone and intimidated every divorce lawyer except for the one. And then she can't... um get like a proper evaluation for his assets because Tony's then like intimidated all the accountants who could do the work to find his proper, like his mob assets that she would be entitled to. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, girl, you should have killed him. (laughs) Like That would have been so much easier. Ooh, child, the suburbs. Mm. It's so, it's so gross. So Christopher gets in a really bad car accident because it's Christopher. He's always loaded. He's always on something. And he starts attending AA and he even tries to help his sponsor. We know what help from the mob looks like. Mm. Um, other people getting help this season, Janice, who gets herself some anger management. Do you remember Janice, Tony's sister, you guys? She 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 bludgeoned a man to death. I mean, she shot him, right? She shot him after he yeah. hit her. But she did need to be in anger management. Adriana leaves us this season, season five. Drea de Mateo was working, you guys. She was working. <laughs> after Adriana's death, Christopher relapses to heroin, only briefly, but to cope with the grief. But they have bigger things happening. There's a power struggle with the mob families in New Jersey and New York. The DeMeo crime family is in New Jersey. And when things come to a head, Tony is forced to kill Tony too to avoid an all-out bloodshed, an all-out war. So he ends up killing his own cousin this season. The cousin who, as we previously stated, was really not trying to get back into this life at all. Yeah, he wasn't. And and then obviously like he gets back into it and and pays the ultimate price. He's our Opie. I'm serious, you guys. Like, cause <laughs> this is never going to end well when you don't want to do something, get pulled back into it. The life that they're living, even in the best of circumstances, even if you're a Christopher, this is what you've always wanted to do. It's, it doesn't end well. It just doesn't end well. Johnny Sack the one who is constantly defending his wife's honor is arrested by the feds this season while Tony narrowly escapes. 
Um, so Tony, then looking back on the show, I might say that Tony might be one of the luckiest people. And luck, more important than intelligence, more important than charm, good luck and good timing are so much more vital components to have when you do what he does. Season five, what's season five like for you? I don't think season five was as good as uh, season four. I know why things had to happen with Adriana and with Carmela, but I would have liked Carmela to be able to blossom a little bit more post-separation than she did in season five. Yeah. It's good. It's good. It's just not as good to me as season four. Um, to be very honest with you, I thought all the seasons of this show were good. And if anything, I have to give the writers massive amounts of credit for the fact that they understand their characters. Nobody behaves out of character on this show. They understand who these people are. They understand what their motivations are. And that never stops being true. So I have to commend that. Yeah, for me, like, season five is good. I think it's solid. Last season is season six. It is our very longest season. All the seasons prior were 13 episodes, but season six hits us with a whopping 21 episodes. Usually people get a shorter episode order on their last season, but this one gets a longer one by eight extra episodes. And I actually think they do a pretty good job of working those episodes. So let's jump into season six. The final season. I think this was like the show was like probably at its height around here. Actually, mm-hmm. I remember it was like super. I remember people would talk about it. Obviously, I'd never seen it because like we didn't have HBO. Allegedly, there was this program called LimeWire, and it, and allegedly, um, I did not use it uh, to watch uh, this. Tony's come back home, you know, because it's Tony. Season six. I don't know. <laughs> he talks. Yeah. So much. Season six is interesting because we have Junior. Remember Tony's Junior, Tony's uncle Junior, who conspired with his mother to kill him back in like season one or two. Well, he's senile now. He's been very senile for a while, and they've kind of made amends as he's been slipping further into dementia. But um, he shoots Tony this season, yep. and Tony slips into a coma. Yep. I kind of felt like he needed that. He needed that. He needed that time. AJ is also in college this season, and he's, he sucks at college, but he's great at the family business, which only further proves my point. Tony can think that AJ's not like him and Meadow is, but that's prediction. He, want, he wanted to be the type of person that Meadow is, but he's not. AJ is his father's son through and through. Johnny Sack and, the, and his daughter's wedding, that was like a really interesting plot point this season. So Johnny Sack was arrested by the feds last season. He files a petition so he, that he can attend his daughter's wedding and they give him six hours. But shit goes south after the wedding and both his crew and Tony's crew lose respect for him. He breaks down crying in tears, which is like, like a big no-no in mafioso. And you don't even have to be mafioso. And he's out here crying in handcuffs at the six hours he's been afforded for his daughter's wedding. And it's really sad to see. Like, it's, it's really sad to see. sad because he sees her get married and she gets in the car, right? Like, it, it's like it's the last part of the wedding and they drag him away in handcuffs. And it's, it's so, it, it really is tragic. And it's, I think the show is commendable for um, setting that up in a way that like, I, I can, I really do feel that tragedy of, of it. Johnny Sack was an OG, right? He had all these lieutenants, he had all this power, and now he's been reduced to the man crying in handcuffs at his daughter's wedding. It's sad. It is sad. So back Um, to Vito. Remember Vito? Let's talk about that. (laughs) So, um, Vito gets, basically Vito gets got, gets, gets outed this season. He's outed. And girl, they drag Finn back into this mess. And I'm so mad for Finn because I'd be like, why y'all dragging? Because if I was Finn, I'd be like, why y'all dragging me back into this? Like, I didn't, I do not want to be a part of this. Like, don't. Don't call me. Don't talk to me. Like, I just don't, don't, just don't. And, but Finn does, he gets dragged back into, I guess, the court, the court of the DeMeo crime family. And he's, you know, he is questioned. And I actually really love the scene. First of all, the scene is the way that it's directed and the way that it's written is actually the sort of inquisition scene is very good. I really liked it. Episode six, live free or die. And so they question Finn and Finn is like, yeah, he, he was like, uh, like sucking the other guy off. And it's funny, like (laughs) 
the first thing that like somebody asks is like he wasn't even um pitching he was catching like that matter i mean so i don't know if you've ever seen a movie called mambo italiano have you ever seen that no okay i had it as movie of the day like back when we had our first page it's about this italian family living in canada and what ends up happening is their son is gay and he's having an affair with another like italian dude who is also gay and when their parents find out about it, like the conversation quickly devolves into who is the bangee and who is the banger, because that matters. Which kind of for me implies that they all do this shit on the low, or like they're willing to accept it in in hard times, like during prison, so long as you're not the bottom. They are not, please. They are. They're incensed. Right. They're very upset. And like, first of all, it's like you said. Finn doesn't even want to be here. He wants to be excluded from this narrative. But they br- they bring him here. He has to deal with this fuck shit. And so Vito does what he has to do. Vito hightails it to New Hampshire. But for some reason, he decides to come on back. And then when he comes back, he gets killed. Yeah, he gets got. Which is crazy. They literally killed him for being gay. No other reason. Was he no other arm? reason. Nope. Did he nope. fuck somebody's wife? Nope. Did he nope. abuse someone's children? Nope. nope. That was um, kind of like that was unsettling. I was like, wow, that's wow. The Vito storyline was tragic, but again, the these writers know these characters and they know this lifestyle, and they're very, very honest about who these people are. It would have undid all the work that they had done in previous seasons if the family had found out that Vito was gay. And they were okay with it. Because these are not people that are okay with that. They don't embrace that. And that's why Vito is forced to, like, suck off security guards on the low at work. Instead of being in a healthy relationship. Tony realizes just how much his son is like him when AJ begins to struggle with depression. I'm telling you, he doesn't he doesn't want to see himself in AJ, but it's all over there. <laughs> right. Tony claims that Meadow is like him. But in reality, I think Meadow is like her mother, Carmela. And Meadow is like Carmela fully realized. Right. She's Carmela plus opportunity, plus nurturing, plus support, plus options. She's like, she's like Carmela 2.0. <laughs> she is. <laughs> um, which I'm sure burns him. Like, um, not that I ever think he becomes uh, aware of it. Um, in any real sense, but. And even Carmela, despite the lack of support and love and help that she's gotten from Tony, you know, picked herself up by her bootstraps, so to speak. And she got that little real estate license and she's trying to make it on her own in a relationship where no matter how unhappy they were, a lot of these other mob wives would have stayed. Right. The fact that Carmela even has the courage to be like, yeah, I think I'm not going to do this is a lot and means a lot. But yeah, Christopher, Christopher's little dreams came true. It's a movie. It didn't matter though. Cause then Tony kills him. Yep. Which I kind of saw that coming as well. I don't know about you. Did you see that coming? I felt like I, that, I knew that Christopher to that. had to die. I didn't know how it was going to happen. Right, right. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I kind of felt the same way about the character Shane on on um, the Shield. I didn't know that Shane was going to go out the way that he did or take his wife and son with him, but I knew he had to go. But because this is a Sopranos and this is a Catholic Italian family, I knew Christopher wasn't going to kill himself. But Tony killing Christopher, I think, was kind of um, poetic in a sense because he he felt like he he felt like Christopher was like his son. But it's like you are a toxic person, so even when you try to love people, you will harm them. He's just a harmful person, always has been, always will be. It hits home when Tony realizes that AJ is struggling with depression and not just struggling with depression. I mean, AJ tries to kill himself. Right. So, yeah, he's got depression with suicidal, suicidal ideation and he's also got anxiety just like his father. Yeah, a lot of mental illness are inherited, but we really need to have more conversations about inherited traits and learned behavior or um, atmospheric tr- triggers. I don't believe that an AJ that was raised in a better home life without men with guns waltzing in and out of the place would have been the AJ that we've seen. I don't believe that an AJ who was raised by a father who respected his mother would have treated Carmela the way that he did. 
Right. Or, and if he still, you know, had these depressive and like tendencies, like it would probably manifest in a different way. Precisely. Precisely. And Ada trying to kill himself is like a big deal. He's like his father. He likes this life. He likes all this money. He knows that he and his sister have it made. But none of these things can do anything to alleviate this depression. It was nice to see AJ, at the very least, start to become something more of an adult in this final season. Because he was really agitating in previous seasons. Let's talk about this final episode of the series. And and I guess this, this now famous, well, infamous ending. Season six ends with Tony is trying to steer AJ like um into I guess like another thing to do and I guess something that he comes up with is like this movie (laughs) this like this uh Christopher's movie and I guess before Christopher died they were like gonna do another one because it's a good way to clean cash um I don't in fact I don't know I could, I could see movie making being like a really really great way to clean cash it's AJ's job now to basically like produce this movie and the series ends with, like, Tony and Carmela are, like, at this restaurant. It's just, like, a casual... It's just, like, a casual day. AJ comes, and she sits down, and they're all talking. Now, the thing is, is that, like, Tony has been set up to, like, be assassinated. So we're mm-hmm. waiting for, like, the assassination to happen. Um, and literally everybody who comes into this diner, you're, like, sort of, sort of holding your breath. And then... Uh, I think when he just goes to order, they order something to the table, onion rings, and then the screen just goes black. It's over. And that's the ending. Right. Which is... I I still don't know how I feel about that. I mean, it is an extremely famous ending. Um, Same. I do. I feel conflicted, too. And... In one part, I'm like, did did I really need to see Tony die? Like, no, I can guess that Tony died. But in another sense, I'm like, I don't know. There's a part of it that doesn't feel, yeah. And but because of like we've seen Tony like elude death so many times, mm-hmm. I don't feel like it was enough. Right. Um, you can't elude it because, like I said. Um, when we were discussing the last season, Tony is an extremely lucky person. If there are people who still believe that Tony Soprano did not die that night, it wouldn't be delusional or irrational to believe that. <laughs> right. Like, at all. He's like, this dude's had nine lives, literally. Right, right. He was shot and went into a coma when this season started. Right. So, right. So you want the bookend, right? I understand you want the bookend and you, and we don't get it. It's not given to us. We don't even get like a, like you got like this, like I get why people, I mean, are sort of still sort of up and at it and about what it means or whatever, because we end like literally the frame that we end with is it's not even like the frame we end with. We see the, the person who's about to do it. We see them, get out of the car and then you see the gun maybe and Mm -hmm. then they walk into the diner and then and then it goes to black i mean the last shot of the series is the back of meadow's head as meadow is running into this cafe where the rest of her family is presumably to go eat with them that's it there's no like it's really it's really like I mean, and with Tony's luck, it might be Meadow or Carmella that gets shot. Right. You like the he whole might like, live through this. <laughs> it's very unfinished. It's like it could be AJ, like Carmella and Meadow that also die. Like, so what does this mean? Um, yeah, I feel it. I I'm not gonna and particularly since this is my first time watching the show all the way through, I was like, wait, what kind of fucking ending was that? I was with everybody else. <laughs> I was like, what was that shit? Like, uh, I love it. You know, I love it. I love the, the, let's interpret this all in our own way. And that might be fine for literally any other show. 
Right. Don't do, don't do me this right now. Please don't. <laughs> I need to know what happened. I need to know what happens. But maybe that's the point. Like, you don't know what happens. That's the point of, like, life. You never really know what happens. That's what I'm saying. That's why, like, I, I get why people love and hate this ending. Because I also love and hate it simultaneously. I mean, I think the idea of it is beautiful. I love the abstract. I love the ambiguity of it. But, like, from... And that's from an artistic standpoint, but from the audience POV, I need that closure that I feel denied. Same. See, this is why the ending is so complicated, because I feel that way, too. If you believe Tony died, there are breadcrumbs throughout the series, especially when um, Phil Parisi, you know, wants to kill Tony for putting the hit out on his twin brother, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's all these narrow escapes with death throughout the series that will lead you to believe that he finally got got. But if mm-hmm. you don't believe he died, there is pl- a plethora of near misses, narrow escapes, and excellent timing to make you believe that as well. <laughs> Right, exactly. Like, I mean, even the season six opener, the season six opener is there's this song that's playing and over it, there's like a recording. I don't remember the exact name of it, but it's about the seven. It's basically about like who you see on the way to like death. Um, That's like literally the season six opener and like the tomes of death. And it's essentially, and every tome is like something. So there's like the guardian angel and then there's the, like the gatekeeper. And as this like voice is talking about the seven tomes of like death, there's a different shot to each character. These people are like Tony's tomes. All these things are coming together. Like there are so many things like that through season six. So we're all like, yes, I'm on the page. We're here. Tony's going to die. And then... (laughs) The camera just cuts out. What was the reason? What was the reason? (laughs) What was the reason? Um, They say the loose ends are tied up, but they're really not, though. Because the the biggest loose end is the ending itself. It's that string that's hanging off the edge of your skirt that you just, you can't pull it because the whole skirt might unravel. So what do we think of season six? Is it good, bad, or basic? I don't know. I mean, I mean, because the ending is like, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that ending. So because I don't know how I feel about the ending, I'm going to give it like a, because I'm a big believer in like endings. Like, I feel like your ending is very important, but um, I think it's basic. I, I'm going to give it like, I don't know. I hate this. I don't know. I, I'm going to say it's good minus. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, and I'm probably going to give it the same grade. See, I have no problem with ambiguous beginnings or even middles. I'm a big fan of mysteries, um, but I'm I'm in the same camp as Alex. Endings matter, and endings need to be concrete. Um, audiences need closure. We deserve that. When I think about this show, I actually think about the show How to Get Away with Murder, Every season, we're thrown into the middle of a plot line, and then we're working both forward and backwards throughout each episode. But we get our closure by that series end and the cliffhanger for the season to come. That's why people still watch it. You can't do what you did on the series finale of uh, The Sopranos. The audience does not have closure. We feel robbed. We feel cheated. Right. And listen, I get the I get the the reasoning behind it. I just don't I don't I don't believe in it. Like I think it's I think stuff like that is mean. I feel like that's so mean to just like be like, haha, like ooh. and it's not even that like I don't mess with ambiguous endings because like and we'll talk about this when we talk about Angel next season, but at least give me something to infer the ending, the the true ending, if you're going to do something like that. But don't don't leave me like with this ambiguous ass ending where nothing happened. We know all these things are happening, but that still doesn't lead us to a specific path. We're still at that fork in the road even after all these years. Um, But shout out to the creator, David Chase. He's the one that wrote and directed that final episode. I wish I could pick his brain and figure out what was the meaning behind that. Oh, so many people have written so many things. I think he maintains that it's like, but I do think he gave like some sort of bullshit answer that like didn't make any sense. Now, this is just speculative musings here, but I actually believe that he didn't know what to do. And maybe he'd grown attached to his protagonist 
he didn't want to um, kill him off, but he couldn't give him um, this um, unambiguous happily ever after either. I mean, you're basically right. I mean, because he does say that, like, David Chase does say that his original plan was to kill Tony, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's how I would have ended it. Like I, I like yeah. Tony has to die. Not, but not only that, but like, um, that's the favorite of these white men. <laughs> they don't go to jail. They don't. They don't go to jail. They don't um, actually get held responsible by the people in their lives. They just die. Um, but granted, at least Tony dying by somebody else's hand would have mm-hmm. been would have been better. At least, yeah. Tony died. Like if Tony died by like assassination or by someone else's hand, not by his own hand, I would have mm-hmm. been able to live with that. Cause I'd have been like, okay, at least he was culpable to someone. Right. And I think that David Chase understands this, which is why we had a, that whole buildup that he's going to be assassinated. But I think that pun intended, David Chase couldn't pull the trigger on Tony. Yeah. I mean, I believe you. Yeah. It's, uh, it's okay. I mean, I understand feeling attached to your characters, but as a writer, sometimes you just got to make the hard choice. Yeah, you just got to you gotta make the hard choice. He dies. He dies by assassination and whatever. David Chase says that, like, he thought this in- ending was more interesting, but it's not. It was just mean. And I think it's what you said. He'd grown attached to Tony, and you don't want to kill him. <laughs> or, yeah, I would have had Tony die, or I would have had Tony get arrested proper, and then I would have had just, like, life go on without him. Because I know that's what would burn him the most. And there you have it, folks. This is everything that we think made the back half of The Sopranos good, bad, basic, and compelling. If you'd like to check out the series, The Sopranos is currently streaming on Hulu. Please let us know your thoughts on this series via our Twitter or Instagram. If you're a GBB patron on our top two tiers, be sure to check out our The Sopranos Spotify playlist if you haven't already. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. And with that, we officially wrap up our Outlaw season. We hope you all have enjoyed season six of The Good, The Bad, The Basic as much as we have. Tune in next week for the debut of Season 7, Supernatural. This season will be discussing series with a supernatural element, including Charmed, Angel, Misfits, Lost Girl, Marvel's Runaways, and Teen Wolf. We'll be kicking things off with the iconic, original Roswell. Our discussion of this modern classic goes live next Thursday. And if you'd like to check out Roswell before then, the series is currently streaming on Hulu. Follow The Good, The Bad, The Basic on all major podcast platforms to listen to all of our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Please follow us at The Good, Bad, Basic on Twitter and at Good, Bad, Basic Pod on Instagram to get into our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time, bye everyone.